Hello, and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm not Matt Farrell. I'm the bearded one. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm his older brother. I'm a writer. I'll be asking him the questions, and Matthew will be here to say hello. Hello. And to answer my questions. Yes. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to remind people there are a couple of ways you can support the podcast. You can subscribe, you can like, you can listen, you can share, and you can also go to stilltbd.fm. There's a link there. You can throw some coins in the cookie jar. And as usual, we appreciate whatever kind of support you're able to give. Now, Matt, you recently passed the 500,000 subscriber mark on your channel. Mm -hmm. We talked about that last week, and that's why the comments on our last episode are comments on an episode that was titled Frosting for 500,000 People. (laughs) It was a discussion around modular homes for the most part, and some of the comments were like these from Benjamin Davis, who has written in before, and Benjamin wrote, I'd love to find out how you discovered the green modular home builders in your area. What do you Google or how have you found a re- or have you found a resource that has a listing of available companies so that I can find what's available in my region? So any thoughts on where Benjamin can begin to dig in looking yeah. for his green home? Uh, my Google skills are strong. Yes. <laughs> I did a lot of searches for modular home builders near me, modular home builders in New England, that kind of thing, and found a lot of good results. Um, there's also a company called Build with Rise. So it's buildwithrise.com. Um, they're all about green building and green technologies and green builders and all that kind of stuff. And they actually have a section on their website that describes modular homes, panelized homes, and even where you can find local building rebates around building an eco-friendly home and finding builders and modular home builders. It's not super like, uh, it's not a conclusive source for all this stuff. It doesn't have everything, but, um, it's a good place to start. One of the ways that I've also found success in my Google searches is to do searches where I'm, the search might be modular homes and then I use my zip code. Yep. So if you have a a zip code or a country code, a regional code that would work for your area, uh, including, you know, references to whatever major city or town you might be in, in the search fields, stuff like that can help narrow it down. Um, smart companies, when they put their web information together, will embed all that kind of coding into the, the background so that you can, you can find them. They want you to find them. That's the key yeah. here is that a good company yeah. is also going to be a smart company and they're going to have a website that's going to can actually help you get to them. Yep. And another comment on the video was from Sunshine Haven and Sunshine wrote, I can't remember if my brother introduced me to your channel or if I introduced it to him, but we <laughs> both enjoy the main channel. I just found this podcast and told him he needed to listen to it. I could then talk to my brother about listening to you talk to your brother about watching your video. <laughs> this is like a, a weird loop going around here. And I just have to say, <laughs> Sunshine, I would enjoy a podcast about that. So <laughs> let's go full circle and make that happen. Andrew Park wrote, I was wondering, is Matt demolishing his current home and replacing with a modular home? Or has he acquired a new piece of land to place his new modular home on? And this spurred on a question for me. I know the answer here. Mm-hmm. I know that one of the reasons Matt has been looking at 
building or getting a new home is because of the size of his current home and the limitations of the property that that home is on. Yes. Which you experienced just recently. Yes. So (laughs) it is, Matt has lived in this house for a number of years. It is, I think, a lovely home. It is a, but it is a small house. And so that's one of the main uh, motives here. But it did make me wonder, Matt, if removing those constraints, putting your your current home on a sl- on a larger piece of land where you felt like, okay, I want to stay here, what sort of changes would that mean as far as your plans for a modular home? Would there be restrictions potentially on that kind of new building? Would there be changes to your overall plans? And how would it impact your neighbors if you were thinking of building this kind of green home that you hope to make would there be limitations if you were trying to stay on the, the current piece of land that you have um no there wouldn't be restrictions for staying on this land but there would be restrictions based on what i could financially do with my current house because tearing down this current house and building all new i just couldn't afford it where i currently am the equity in my home i had to use to be able to pay for what i'm going to be doing in a new plot of land that we're buying right now but uh, we, that means we would have to basically be putting an addition on and then doing a retrofit to make our house more energy efficient, which can do great. You can do great things going that route, but it wouldn't allow me to achieve what I'm trying to achieve. It would get me like 80% of the way there. It wouldn't get me hundred percent of the way there. So building new, I can get a hundred percent of what I'm looking for. So it's, it's kind of along those lines. So financially couldn't swing it on my current house and Two, it wouldn't allow me to achieve some of the things because it's adding and retrofitting an existing building where it just has limitations. Important things to consider for anybody who's thinking about this. And it also, those are important things to consider large scale when we talk about improving the the green aspects of how people live. We have a, an incredible amount of infrastructure that already exists that cannot Mm -hmm. simply be swept away and so we're talking about new developments and retrofitting and figuring out how to help people embrace what's possible which in some cases means cobbling it together with something that is so old it might be it might seem problematic a home that's Mm -hmm. never going to be fully insulated in a way that works to the level that you might hope but installing things like solar and power walls and things like that may be the best somebody can do in those circumstances. Which is what I've basically done to my house. Right. I'm leaving this house in a much better place than it was. So we've added insulation, we've added solar and power walls and energy, energy efficient, pretty much everything. So it's like it's in a pretty good state to leave it uh, for somebody else to enjoy. But taking it further just financially didn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. There was a quick question from Jared Marsh who asked, will the modular, will the modular house have a mat cave? <laughs> yes. The, the goal is to have a very nice little mat cave somewhere in the facility. <laughs> so, yes. The follow-up question for me is, will you tell your wife where the mat cave is located? Well, of course not, Sean. All right. So it will be, be a behind a fake stone wall. You'll drive your waterfall. Tesla straight toward it and the wall will go up. You'll go in and it'll... It's going to be a waterfall. Yeah. 
You'll Watch stand myself in there. across a chasm through the waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Matt Man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a couple of quick comments about me. Me? What? Yes. One from M. Kalamo, who wrote, I don't have an older brother, but if I did, one would have to think you've got quite the prototype here. Oh, oh! you have no idea, Kalamo. <laughs> you don't know what you're in for. <laughs> As we all know, prototypes usually are full of bugs and weird quirks that <laughs> take a while to get ironed out. And Yes. That was certainly the case here. <laughs> and then our honorary member of the podcast, Roger Starkey, he has spoken up and says, Sean, I know I'm here regularly. But rather worryingly, you appear to have mimicked my facial hair almost precisely over the last two weeks, right down to the coloring. Spooky. I now have to tape over the selfie camera on my phone. That won't help, Roger. I've got cameras and locations. You will never find them. (laughs) On to today's episode, we'll be looking at Matt's most recent episode from July 6th, 2021 why Neom might be the future of sustainable cities. And this episode is, it raised a, a couple of little controversies in the comments, mm-hmm. a little bit of a, of a commentary storm back and forth on different subjects. Everything from a flat out, this will never work, this will never happen, mm-hmm. uh, to some comments that touched on the political situations of how Saudi Arabia is ruled, what the ruling family does to the the citizens there, and unequal treatment. Uh, you mentioned in the video the fact that they have plans for, like, the city of the future means they are literally trying to drive out an indigenous popula- population yes. from a mountain region, and yep. that kind of action is... On certain levels, it's it's just gross. It's grotesque. Yep. It's cruel, and it's and it's unnecessary. But they've decided the city of the future is more important than than how they treat those those inhabitants. So, I wanted to try to have this discussion instead of centering and and digging in on the questions. Which, first of all, you and I are not going to be able to shed any new information or new light onto these topics. And second, they are really outside the focus of what you're trying to do. And you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my sense around this video was not about look at what a great job Saudi Arabia is doing. Mm -hmm. It seemed like the point of your video was these people are trying to do a thing what is that thing? How could it work? What could it drive forward in technological realms? And mm-hmm. is any of that realistic? So what I would like to do is kind of transplant the conversation out of the Saudi context and say, let's imagine this was happening another in another place, in another country where let's say it was happening in Canada and Canada decided that they were going to connect two of their major cities with all of this technology to do all the things that Neom is, is aspiring to do. The exact same city is being built in Canada. Yeah. You, you are correct. It's the goal of this video is not to get into the politics. And I did touch on some of those thorny issues about the politics, but the focus was meant to be, what are the ramifications of the city going to be 
for sustainability and renewable energy? Like what kind of, is it going to have a ripple effect around the world? Are any of these technologies potentially going to grow and, and benefit the rest of us? That was kind of the focus on what I was trying to get to. Not whether it's a good thing for Saudi Arabia to do or not. So one of my first questions to you is all of the, the things that have to go into designing a city like this, what do you think are elements that could be embraced within the next, let's just say like 20 years? Because yeah, the potential for radically different city design in a hundred years, 150 years, we, we don't even know what might be needed and necessary and possible at that point. But let's say in 20, 25 years, what elements here do you see as, okay, this is something that really could be seen across the board in, in different countries and, and being the, con- the companies that are working and heavily invested in the Neom project, even if Neom doesn't work, those companies mm-hmm. will make advances so that in 20 years, they'll be doing a thing in another place. What, what techs do you think those are? I think it's the solar dome, the desalination technology is something that is needed around the world and it's going to become more and more needed over the next 30 to 50 years. So it's like, there is definitely, that is definitely going to be something that's going to be becoming a thing more and more, whether the solar dome itself succeeds. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of questions around it that haven't been answered. Um, the other thing was I touched on hyperloop. Hyperloop has a gigantic question mark on it of like, is it even possible? But the Smeglev, as I kept saying in the video, I didn't know yeah, how to Smeglev is not acronym. a, that's not an acronym that we should be saying out loud and mixed company. No. That's a terrible, no. it's, it's a terrible terribly. sounding word. But that technology I think has far more legs, obviously, than something like a Hyperloop because it's not trying to do a pressurized tube. It's just a variation on maglev trains. So it's like, I think that technology is going to have legs over the next 30 to 50 years because it's going to be extremely fast, extremely efficient, and it's going to be, it uses theoretically no fuel compared to like air travel. So it's like, it's a fast on the ground transportation system that will reduce our dependence on fossil fuels to replace airplanes. Um, So it's like, I think that one has a lot of legs to it. And then of course, then there's green hydrogen, which they're doing a lot of green hydrogen in the Neom project. And as much as everybody says, you know, fuel cell hydrogen cars are never going to be a thing. And I'm one of those people don't think it's ever going to catch on. Hydrogen is going to have a huge role in our future society. Um, It's, it's, (laughs) it's a clean fuel source that we will get better and better at producing more efficiently. And it's going to be necessary for heavy transport. It's going to be necessary for, you know, providing energy in remote regions. So it's like, I think green hydrogen is going to be something else that's going to continue. So it was kind of those three things are the things I thought of all the crazy stuff that they're proposing. Those were the three I thought had the most legs to go long-term. Right. And what kind of overlap is there between the, you mentioned the desalinization and clearly the need for clean and drinkable water is a huge issue mm-hmm. uh, today, right now it is. And it's only going to get more and more important. Yep. So what overlap is there between the desalinization and the hydrogen production is the, is the hydrogen production 
married to desalinization in some way where they could actually be a part of a of a of a sister technology where the desalinization is leading to the water that can then be used in producing hydrogen or is the hydrogen produced in other ways it's it can be produced in other ways but there might be some kind of crossover between the two um but the technologies used to achieve it are different right so it's it's i think they would have to be separate facilities i don't think you're necessarily going to have one facility that can do all of it and those things in this project that you think are a little more pie in the sky Mm -hmm. what's the one that is the biggest pie like crazy stuff that's not gonna happen you're just like okay good luck (laughs) well the the easy one is they want to make a fake moon using drones why (laughs) how much money is that gonna take and why are you wasting your energy doing that i don't know Uh, uh the other thing would be Building the city in a line is a, one of those why, like, th- this is not the first city to do that. And people brought this up in the comments. There are, in history, there have been other cities. I think one in, was in Spain that built a city on a linear path. But there's a reason cities have evolved as, either as circular or grid-like, because it turns out for human beings to get around, that turns out to be a very efficient way to work. So... The idea that they're going to have a city with no roads on it on the surface, and then you have to go below ground to get on some hyper train to go flying around the city. That to me seems like that's not going to last very long. I feel like they're going to try that. And then it's going to very quickly be like, you know, we need to get roads up here and we need to get some taxi services up here because it's not able to uh, satisfy everybody's needs to get around. Um, Yeah, I just think that's kind of a, a crazy. Why are you doing that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of there were a couple of things that sprang to mind, and this was in the comments as well. Uh, one of your commenters said, "This is from Sahelio oh, Africanus." <laughs> okay. Is the commenter who said the hyperloop always reminds me of the monorail episode of The Simpsons? Yeah, and yep. it does have that kind of. If you build it, the magic will happen, and then suddenly everything is great. And it seems to be that the city plan here really does revolve around it's great because there's a monorail as opposed mm-hmm. to it's great because the monorail solves a problem. And as you said, if it's just a straight line, um, what like like what's yeah. what's the there that the monorail is getting you to and from what how is the city designed so yeah. that you have. Is is the city designed in a line, but along the line are such intensely local hubs that you could yeah. walk within a neighborhood Correct. and get everything you needed? And if that's the case, then why are you building a monorail or a line at all? Couldn't you just build a cluster of hubs? If people don't leave to, need to leave their immediate neighborhood, what's the monorail for at all? So it it's becomes, meant to get it's meant to get along the whole city. Like you could go from one end to 170 kilometers to the other end in like 20 minutes, kind of a thing. Right. But and but then my response, locally, you're walking or riding bikes right. everywhere above ground. That's then the, my that's question the, to that's you, the theory. That, that, that my response to that is, <laughs> but if all the monorail is is doing is getting you along the length along the length of a city that was designed mm-hmm. to be long because it has a monorail. Yes. You're Yes. You're not solving yes. a problem. You Correct. like you are simply saying like this is for aesthetics. This is this is just for looks. And then for me that springs to mind Epcot. This is it feels very Disney 
in his original envisioning of Epcot, Epcot was meant to be an actual living city. He wanted to build the city of the future. It was going to be self-sustaining. It was going to be this sci-fi vision of how life could be that would be with hydroponics and communities that would be it, it in some ways it's almost 1950s eugenics scary what the design seemed to be aspiring to and that's what this in some cases looks like to me is this yeah. this desire to build a thing because you're proving something by the building of it not by what it actually is yeah there's a little bit of a round peg square hole there's a common practice in like I can't remember what it's called, but there's a practice in like when you're designing something like, uh, let's say you're making uh, Central Park and you're designing a park. It's the idea of like, okay, we're going to put in paved walkways that go here and go across here, here, and here. And then you build it and then you find that people keep cutting across the grass and then there's these dirt areas that are just worn down because people aren't using the sidewalks. There's a technique of you build the park, you don't put any sidewalks down, you find where people are naturally walking and then you pave those. Right. Uh, because you're you're letting the organic growth of how people will naturally want to use that thing determine what that thing actually is. Right. And this is like, we're determining ahead of time, it's going to be a line. And it's like, but people may not want to use it that way. You may find out like when people grows, it's like off the line, people keep having these shoots of like little enclaves that are yeah. showing up off the line and then suddenly you need roadways to get people up off of the line. It's like, so it's like, it's going to evolve in a way that they are not planning for. It's just, the, the structure of the city is just, I think, kind of bananas. <laughs> I don't know if you recall. I don't know if you recall. Uh, Matthew and I both went to the same college uh, for undergrad. And yep. I don't know if you remember next to one of the main academic buildings, there was a yep. corner where students worn cut down. the corner and it was worn out. The grass was worn away. And in the four years that I was at school there, it was an ongoing battle between the grounds crew and the yep. students, the grounds crew would put up spikes with ropes. They would put up like temporary fencing. They would put down new seeds. They would do all this stuff. And then, it, yep. and then it would come down and immediately the students would cut that corner and kill it all again. And I remember coming back and visiting when I was gone, you were still there. And I came back and they had put in a sidewalk. They had finally yes. put in and it was exactly as described there were the the gray cement sidewalks around the building and in front of the building but there was this one black macadam strip Mm -hmm. that went around the side of the building connecting the sidewalks in the way that the students always used it and it was a a moment of me looking at that and thinking finally some sanity finally somebody's looking at like oh what are we reinforcing by trying to keep students from doing this what is the mm-hmm. benefit here? There's no benefit. There's no reason why it couldn't have been a sidewalk. Yep. It was simply somebody decided that's not where the sidewalk is. Exactly. So that's Neom. <laughs> that's Neom. It's, yeah. and it does seem, I, you mentioned before that you had uh, changed the title of your video mm-hmm. that originally was the question, is this the city of the future? And mm-hmm. the problem with that as a title was people came back with a simple answer. No, nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. nope. And I'll be honest, I had that same response. It, it's the to go back one last time to the to the concepts of what does this have that could be embraced. I would ask you 
of the things you talked about, what is what is the one that you would say absolutely not only could it be embraced in the future, it absolutely should be embraced in the future? It's um, the desalination. Just because we already have areas of the world that don't have enough fresh water. Like here in the United States, we're basically in a perpetual state of drought on the West Coast. Right. And it's just getting worse. There's like aquifers and reservoirs in the Midwest that are dried up this year because the drought has spread so badly this year. So it's like Australia doesn't have enough fresh water. It's like this is not something that's going to go away. It's just going to continue to get worse. So I remember it was about 15 years ago I read an article that was talking about how the Department of Defense was regularly running war games around the concepts of countries going to war over water. It's going to happen. And it doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like uh, a weird sci-fi concept anymore. Especially when you're in a part of the world, like let's say Egypt basically owns the river that's supplying water and they basically cut it off from the countries, their neighboring countries. It's like, that's going to spawn a war. You know what I mean? It's like, that's going to cause massive issues. So this is not something that's going to go away. So to our listeners, I'd ask the question, what, of the neom concepts do you think is the one that is the most important do you agree with matt it's the desalinization and the water issue or do you fall to the side of the transportation and power production issues are more important let us know what you think in the comments i'm interested to hear what you have to say and don't forget many different ways you can support the podcast there is of course liking subscribing sharing with your friends you can also go to stilltbd.fm and click the support the podcast link and there will be a yawning mouth of a cookie jar and it's looking for coins. <laughs> we appreciate whatever kind of support you're able to give by listening, by rating, by reviewing and sharing with your friends. All those things really do help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew tells me that I've got too much salt in my water. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.